Hey, this is Pastor Arm, and I want to thank you for joining me today for the Activation Church podcast. We are here so that people can activate their life in Christ, and I believe this message is going to help you go further than ever before. Check it out. I want to welcome everyone who is joining us online today. Can you put your hands together and thank them? We are so appreciative of your time. And if you're ever in the area, we hope that you'll join us one Sunday morning at 930 or 11 o'clock. But today we're going to be looking at 2 Kings, the second chapter. Uh, We're going to start reading in verse 19, and we're going to continue with this series of double portion where we've been talking about the life of Elisha. And I'm so excited about this message today because I believe this is one that we all need to hear. And if you've heard it before, you need to be reminded of it. How many of you know it's not enough to just hear it once? Peter says, as he's writing through scripture, he says, hey, I'm reminding you of some things, but it's good that I remind you because how many, sometimes we get through life, we start getting a little bit off course. It doesn't start off much, but as we go, get further and further away. And these reminders help recalibrate us. Uh, For those of you who hunt or for those of you who are gun enthusiasts, most of you in Dallas, Georgia, I'm sure, are gun enthusiasts, but you know that you don't just sight in a rifle once. Am I right? Over time, you've got to take that rifle and recalibrate it and recite it. And so sometimes when we hear a reminder from God's word, we need to receive it because it helps sight us in. But 2 Kings, the second chapter, verse 19, the Bible says, Now the men of this city said to Elisha, Behold, I want you to take a look at this, Elisha, the situation of the city. It's pleasant as my Lord sees you. You can see how good this land is just by taking a look at it. He's talking about Jericho. This was a beautiful place. It was like having beachfront property. You had the river. You had, it was just a beautiful, beautiful place. And he's saying uh, the situation of the city is pleasant, as you can see. But, somebody say but. There's always a but in there somewhere. He says, but the water is bad and it's causing the land to be unfruitful. So Elisha responds by saying, bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. So they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water and threw the salt in it and said, thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day according to the word that Elisha Spoke. Well, you turn to the person next to you and say, you got to put some salt in it. Now turn to the person on your other side who's your second choice and say, you too have to put some salt in it. There's three things that I want to pull from this passage today that we're going to look at. First is the problem. Secondly, I want to look at the process. And thirdly, I want to look at the prescription. And the good news is every problem has a prescription. Amen. But there is a process. Somebody say there is a process. If you, if you hear me talk for any length of time, you're always going to hear me talk at some point about the process. But the process is necessary. So the problem, the process, and the prescription. This past week, my wife and I and our family, we went and we stayed on the lake. And when I got there, the first thing I noticed was how beautiful this lake was. The water was incredibly 
clear. It was so clear that when you were standing on the dock, you could look down and you could see the rocks and you could see the leaves. You could see, it was so clear you could see the texture in the leaves. And then there was all kinds of brim swimming around our dock. And you didn't, you didn't need a fish finder for them. All you needed to do is look down. That's how clear the water was. And once you got out into the water, it was almost like being in the ocean because it had this beautiful tint of blue and and as you rode it went from this deep shade of blue into green and I thought man if this is as beautiful as this is I I can only imagine how wonderful heaven's going to be but as we were standing on the dock Randy was with me and we noticed the sign or he noticed the sign he drew my drew my attention to it and it said on there don't eat the fish from this lake essentially is what it was saying and so I was thinking, like, why would you not want to eat the fish from the slate? So I started doing some research, and for 33 years, there's been an issue with the water which contaminates the fish. And if you eat the fish, it contaminates you. And it blew my mind because the water was so beautiful. The water looked so good, yet it wasn't good at all. That's the problem that we're dealing with here in Second Kings. The land is beautiful. It's a beautiful piece of of property. It's got beautiful trees on it. The leaves are green, but the leaves can't bear any fruit. The water has affected the landscape. The water has affected the livestock. Not only that, the water has affected the people because when they drink the water, it causes them to be barren. And in some cases, it causes them to miscarry that which they are carrying. It looks good, but it's not good. How many of you know just because something looks good doesn't mean that it's good? Sometimes something may feel right, but just because it feels right or because you desire it, it doesn't make it right. Are are you following that that line of thinking? And so Elisha, he has to put some salt in it because anytime salt is removed from a situation, things will begin to malfunction. Things will become corrupt, even good things. Uh, We think about marriage. Marriage is a gift from God. Marriage is a good thing, but if there's not salt in that marriage, that marriage will malfunction and it will become corrupt. Even the concept of marriage and what God intended marriage to be becomes corrupt when there's no salt in it. We start redefining what marriage is and how marriage can be and what we can do with a marriage and who can marry who. And all these things start to happen because there's no salt in it. Your life, designed, created in the very image and likeness of God, created, fearfully, wonderfully made, full of potential, full of promise. Yet if there's no salt in your life, you'll be unfruitful. The, the message of love and acceptance, that's a God-centered message. That is a message from the Word of God. We, we are taught that we should love one another, yet that message, when the salt is removed from it, becomes a corrupt message and brings death. Just because it looks good doesn't mean it's good. Just because it feels good doesn't mean it's good. Did you know the Bible says there's a way that seems right to man? There's a, there's a way that looks good But the end result is destruction. So just because it looks good doesn't mean it's good. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for what looks good. I want to take hold of what God actually says is good because that's what's going to move me into that place of fruitfulness in my life. And so this land that looks beautiful, 
is contaminated by the water. Somebody say that's the problem. That's the problem that the people are dealing with. They want to live there. They want to settle there because it looks good and it's actually a prosperous place, but it's unfruitful. So they bring this problem to Elisha and Elisha tells them, bring me a new bowl. Somebody say, bring me a new bowl. Now we're going to start looking at the process of how Elisha responds to the problem. He says, bring me a new bowl and put some salt in it. And when I began to think about the bowl and what's happening here, I started kind of reading a little bit into the story because how many of you know Scripture has more to reveal than just what you see on the surface? So when it's talking about bowls and it's talking about salt, it's obviously he's dealing with a physical bowl and he's dealing with salt, but there's something more that we can get from it. And I started thinking, why wouldn't he just take the salt and throw it directly into the water? Why wouldn't he just speak to the water? Why wouldn't he just wave his hands over the water, pray for the water, and to be healed because he could have done that? So there's something here that we need to see in this process of the new bowl. Somebody say new bowl. And understand, it's not an old bowl. It's not a used bowl. It's a new bowl. What can we get from this? And I start unpacking, and through understanding Scripture, we understand that God many times uses people, ordinary men, ordinary women, to facilitate the miracle. Are you following this? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4th chapter that we have a treasure in this earthen vessel. And so although we are ordinary men, ordinary women, when we come into contact with Christ Jesus, he takes the old things, makes them pass away, and he creates within us a whole new being. We become a new bowl, and then he places his spirit inside of us for the purpose of distributing what's inside of us into the world. We've got to understand this. We are more than just human beings walking here on this earth. We are the agents of change. We are the ones that God has called to be different and to be separate so that we can bring healing to the world around us. The world that, that may look okay, but on the inside is broken. On the inside is hurting. On the inside is barren. And we are the solution. We are the connection point of heaven and earth. We are the connection point of where heaven meets earth. Jesus teaches us to pray. He says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Then he says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done where? On earth as it is where? In heaven. Many times when we look at that, we think, okay, the global world. Let your will be done on the world. And I believe that to be true, but it happens through earth. When God created man and woman, what did he do? He took the earth and designed man out of what? The earth, the dirt, the soil. So now we see, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth earth as it is in heaven because once the will of God is done on my earth then the will of God can be done on his earth because he works in me and through me it is Christ in me which is the hope of glory 
It is the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, which quickens us and works inside of us. When you are saved, he creates you as new, a new vessel, a new bowl, an earthen vessel. But then he puts a treasure in you, and that treasure is the salt of the earth that brings healing to the world, that brings healing to the nations, that brings health to the sickness. It's inside of you. But before the salt can do its work in the soil, salt's got to be placed inside the bowl. And the salt has to do its work in the bowl first. Because remember, he doesn't just take the salt and throw it in the water. First, he puts it in the bowl. Who's the bowl? So I'm going to say, I'm the bowl. So I've got to Understand that the salt has been placed inside of me, but now I've got to allow the salt to do its work in me before the salt can do its work through me. See, it's easy for us to look at the world around us and identify the problems with them and miss what's going on in me. It's easy for me to identify the issues in my spouse and miss the issues that are going on in me. It's easy for me to identify the issues that are going on in culture and in government and miss the issues that are happening inside of me. But if I'm going to be effective as a vessel carrying the salt, I've got to allow the salt to work on me first. Jesus said, you know what? You get so caught up with the speck that's in someone else's eye that you miss the fact that there's a beam sticking out of your face. So what does he say? First deal with the beam that's in your eye. Then you can help your brother with the speck that's in his eye. What's he saying? Let the salt work on you first. Allow the salt to purify you. Allow the word of God to change you and transform you. Allow the spirit of God to lead you and to guide you and to work on you. You know, the Bible says that the word of God is living, active, sharper than a two-edged sword. Aaron, the other day when I was thinking about that, sword of the spirit you know sometimes christians we want to use that sword as a weapon you know attacking everybody with it but when i thought about that sword i thought about jesus point that sword at me point that sword at me bring transformation to me bring change to me because the only way i'm going to be effective is if i've been infected the only way i can be the difference is if something different has happened on the inside of me. So we've got this process of, of the new bowl, which is us, new creation. Old things have passed away. If you are in Christ, everything has become brand new. You're not the person you used to be, and I am so thankful for that. But he doesn't just make us new. He puts the salt in us. He puts his spirit in us. So when I talk about salt, I'm talking about the God factor. I'm talking about his spirit. So when I talk about things malfunctioning, when the salt is removed, I'm talking about things malfunctioning because the Spirit of God is removed. You want to know why our world is malfunctioning right now? You want to know why? It's because we've removed the Spirit of God from everything. We've removed God from our politics. We've removed God from our schools. We've removed God from our culture. And the church, the people of God, the vessels of God are no longer carrying the salt of God because we look just like the world. I'll deal with that in a minute. But it's important to understand that we are the solution. We are the salt. But salt has to be salty. Turn to the person next to you and say, salt has to be salty. So we've identified the problem. And I think you 
can identify the problems that you see going on in the world and in the culture around you. Now we see the process and how God begins to bring the solution. It is the salt that's been placed in the new vessel or the new bowl, which brings us to the prescription, which is salt. Somebody say salt. So watch this. I love this. Jesus says in Matthew 5.13, you are, here's a shocker, the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. In other words, you are the solution. Are, are you following this? Again, many times we pray God, do this, and God's saying, I will do this as soon as I have a vessel that's carrying some salt. You are the salt of the earth, the solution to what's going on. Good things through salt are promoted to grow, and bad things through salt are prohibited to grow. See, to get a full context of what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 5.13, you've got to go to Luke 14 where he's talking about salt. Because many times when you hear people use the scripture or preach around the scripture, they talk about salt making you thirsty, and I believe that to be true. I mean, how many of you know if you eat a, a, a bag of potato chips, you get thirsty? You know, it's no mistake that when you go into a bar, that the bar has peanuts or chips at it full of salt. They're not doing that to be hospitable. They're doing that to make you thirsty because the more thirsty you are, the more money they make. Why? Because salt makes you thirsty. And so we'll use this passage and talk about, you know, the salt that's in you should make the world thirst for the crisis inside of you. And I believe that. I believe that wholeheartedly. That's not what Jesus is saying. Sometimes we'll talk about the fact that salt preserves. And I believe wholeheartedly that we are here to preserve that which God has created. But that's not what Jesus is talking about here. If you go to Luke, the 14th chapter, you'll see that Jesus starts talking about the salt going into the soil and the salt going on the dung pile. Somebody say the soil and the dung pile. See, at that time, you had the Dead Sea, which produced a lot of salt. And so they would go and they would collect the salt from the Dead Sea and they would place it in the soil because it caused the soil to be fertile so that things would grow. And that's what salt does. When you place it in the soil, it promotes the health and the growth of the good things. So us being salt, us just being in a situation, us just being around a situation, if the salt is in us, what happens is we start promoting healthy growth, but we have to come in contact with the soil. And this is where a lot of Christians miss it. Because we want to come into gathering spaces like this, which is valuable, which is biblical. But when we come in here, it's for the purpose so that we can go out there and put our salt in the soil. What we want to do is we want to come in places like this thing. This is the light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. All my friends are Christians. Everyone I know is a Christian. And our salt never gets in the soil. See, God has not called us to escape the world. Jesus said, go into the world. You don't become like the world. Are you hearing this? You don't become like the world, but you infuse the world around you with your salt. There was, there was a lady who was telling the story. She said, I'm the only Christian at my workplace. And it's really frustrating because nobody thinks like me, nobody talks like me. You know, they're always doing and saying things that I disagree with. So she found a job 
with this Christian company. And she was telling this minister how excited she was about starting this new job because everybody's there. They're all Christians. We pray before work starts. We have time for Bible study. It's going to be amazing. And the pastor looked at her disappointed. And she was like, why, why would you be disappointed? Didn't you hear what I said? We're, we're all going to be able to pray together. We're going to do Bible studies together. He said, I'm disappointed because you just told me you were the only Christian in your workplace. You were the only Christ in that building. You were the only expression that they would see of Jesus, and you chose to leave it. Hear what I'm saying? The salt has to be in the soil, which means there's close proximity to the soil. Jesus hung out with sinners without sinning. Jesus came to those that were lost and hurting. He being whole and complete comes to the brokenness in society, the rejects. Why is he doing that? Because he's saying, I got to get the salt there because the salt is what's going to bring the healing. The salt is what's going to bring the transformation. If we as Christians are always running from the world, the world's going to continue to grow and secular society is going to continue to grow and we're going to diminish and die off because we're not there in the soil. The salt has to be in the soil. And just your presence of being salt brings change. Has anyone ever experienced that before? Just your being there because you carry the salt. Now, I'm talking about people who actually carry the salt. Does that mean you attend church? I mean, you, you've spent some time with God. You've gotten in the presence of God and, and you've got some salt on you so that when you go somewhere, it's noticeable. People start to shift and change their behavior. You don't have to tell someone, hey, you don't use that kind of language around me. They'll just start changing or they'll say something that they'll apologize to you. There was a guy who came up to the church a few weeks ago. He was going to be doing some work and he was talking to Randy and I. And as he's talking to us, he drops the F-bomb right there in the church. I didn't say anything to him. He immediately was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have said that. I said, oh, you're good. Why is that? He recognized that he was in the presence of salt. I remember back in high school, my, my brother, uh, the, the friends that he hung out with in school, he hung out with some guys that were some troublemakers, got in some big trouble. One of his friends was in prison by the time he was 11 years old. But these guys, when they would hang out with my brother, they would spend the summer with my brother, you would see a change in their life. Not because my brother was preaching to them anything or he was just being salt. Understand this. Salt is not something you do. It's something, it, it, it's your being. It's who you are, created in the likeness of God. And when that salt is placed inside of you and it's allowed to get into the soil, it starts to bring change. So somebody say, it promotes good growth. Now to the dung pile. Everybody understand that's what dung is, right? I don't need to break it down for you any further. <laughs> well, in these, in these villages, in these towns, they didn't have um, the amenities that we have nowadays. They didn't have the luxury of going to a restroom where they could do their business and flush. They had to figure it out. Anybody else ever been in the wood and you had to figure it out? I remember one time I was like in the middle of this pasture and I had to figure it out. That's not fun, but I figured it out. And so they're in the process of figuring it all out. Everybody just got a visual image. I am so sorry. 
be more salty, be more. But, but anyway, they're, they're in the process of, you know, they do their business. And the problem is bacteria and things like that would grow. And it would cause disease to go through the community. And people would start getting sick because the business wasn't dealt with in a sanitary way. And so what they would do is they would layer salt over the top of the dung pile. And the salt acted as a purifying agent that prohibited the disease from growing. So Jesus is saying, get this, you are the salt of the earth. I've done my job. When I hung my head on the cross, I said, it is finished. Now tag, you're it. And it is through you that healthy things will begin to grow and things that don't need to grow will be prohibited by your presence being in a place. You are, you've got to get this church. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. While Jesus was here, he would teach us messages where he'd say, I'm the, I'm the light of the world. Then he flips script. After he's discipled people, he flips script and says, you are. See, he came for more than just to get us to heaven. He came so that the salt could get at us, so that we could become like him, so that we could continue his work, so that we can go into broken humanity and bring healing. The problem is we're not salty. We're not salty. And watch what Jesus says here. Matthew 5, 13, carrying on. He says, you are the salt of the earth. The salt has to be put into the water. Elisha didn't leave it in the bowl. Follow this thinking. Elisha didn't just leave the salt in the bowl. After it was placed in the bowl, he distributed it into the water. You know the problem with the Dead Sea? It intakes, but it doesn't let out. Some of us, we get so salty, and we don't let anything out, that becomes harmful to us. We become puffed up Christians. See, God fills you for the purpose of releasing from you. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, 513. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? This is important. It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. See, at this time, salt was extremely valuable because of the things they used it for, because of the soil, which are an agricultural society. So healthy soil means more money. So they would use salt for soil. They would use salt for, for cleansing. Salt was valuable. At one point in time in history, an ounce of salt was the same value as an ounce of silver. And so these business people that dealt in salt, who weren't honest and upfront, what they would do is they would start mixing the salt with other substances. It looked like salt, but it wasn't salt. And so when these people got at home to put it in their soil, it was no good. When they put it on their dung pile, it was no good. The only value it had was to be thrown out into the streets and trampled. That's what Jesus is dealing with here. He's saying, you are the salt of the earth, but if you start getting mixed up with the other things, if you start getting mixed up in the world and allowing the things of the world to get inside of you, instead of you getting inside of it, then you start to lose your taste. You start to lose your value and you become unfruitful for the kingdom of God. We've got to be careful as a people to not become conformed to the world. We have to go into the world, but we can't become like the world. There's got to be something about us that's different. You know, Derek, I didn't even say anything to you about it, but the other day they were working on the air conditioner. 
and I was having a conversation with the guys, and you showed up, and you started just kind of chit-chatting with them. You didn't quote one scripture. You didn't say one prayer. But the way you dealt with them, I thought, that's what it's all about. You, you might not even realize it. You're just being you. But I thought, he is showing deep concern for these gentlemen. And through his actions and through how he's talking to them, he's showing that he cares about them. He's showing that he loves them. What's he doing? He's being the salt in that situation. He's showing them something different. He didn't come up and just jump in on their conversation. and you know, do, He was different in that situation. We, we should look different. We should sound different. We should think different. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. We're all flawed. We're all human. We're all flesh. We're all trying to work out this process of getting saltier. You understand? We're not perfect, but there, there's, at some point in time, we've got to say, I'm not going to allow what the world says is okay to become okay with me. Just because the world says it looks good, I'm not going to call it good. Because just because it looks good and feels good doesn't mean it's good. It is actually bringing death to the community. The water that is polluted was bringing death to the city, and it was the salt in the bowl that healed the land. Are you, are you putting this together? I mean, I could break it down. Let's make it Sesame Street. You're the bowl. God's spirit is the salt in the bowl. You bring healing to the land. But you've got to be salty. You've got to be salty. You can't become mixed with other things. This, this is a process that we're all on. It's a journey that we should all be on to get more salty. How do we do that? By spending more time in the presence of God. The only way to become light is to be in light. The only way to be salt is to have his salt. Spending time pursuing him, getting into the word of God, allowing him to not just feed you, but also to lead you. You know, many times I was thinking about this as a pastor, my, my main responsibility is to lead and feed. And a lot of times people want to be fed, but they don't want to be led. They don't want people telling them anything. They don't tell me how to do life. We don't want that. Not realizing that God speaks to us through his written word, but he will also speak to us through the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, pastor, teacher, though that, those that he has placed over us to minister to us. And it is our ability to surrender to what God is saying that causes us to be more salty. It's that process of saying, God, I surrender my life to your will. It's no longer what I want or what I desire or what I think is good or what I think looks good. It's what do you want? What pleases you? And the more I go after what pleases him, the more salty I am. And I promise you, man, you can read stories of these people who spent time in the presence of God and just them walking down the street, people start getting healed. They didn't say a prayer. They didn't lay their hands on anyone, just their presence. Peter, through scripture, he walks down the street, his shadow falls on people and people are getting healed. You know why? Because he's salty. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't have to do anything. He just had to be who God created him to be. And that's who God's created you to be. When we get this hunger in our life for more of who God is, and we allow that salt to work in us and work on us and transform us, we're going to see an explosion of revival. We're going to see an explosion 
of revival. People hungering and thirsting after the God that we serve. Desiring what we have. Seeing the joy that's on us. Even in the midst of crisis, we have joy. Why? Because we've got salt. That, that's what it should be. When people come to the doors of a church, they should come in and go, man, this place is salty. People are actually happy to be here. They're joyful. I came into the 930 service this morning dancing. People were looking at me like I was nuts. But I did. I came in dancing, came all the way up to the front. You know, I was happy to be here. This is the house of God. I'm going to be salty. And I hope that me being salty eventually rubs up off on you. I hope that you see the saltiness of me raising my hands here in worship and you go, you know what? That's probably how we should worship. I'll do that too. I hope that you hear Debbie say amen and say, you know what? Me too. We need that. This isn't a game. This thing is not a game. There is eternity at stake, not just for us, but for the world around us, our family, our friends. And the only solution is the salt in you. That's heavy. I've stood with people as they breathed their last breath and had to ask myself, did I do everything I could do? That's, that's, that's a... That's a heavy burden to carry. Did I, did I do everything I could do? Was I salt in their world? Was I light in their world? Or was I just there? I so desire to see people touched by the power of God. And I know I'm going to see it. And we have seen it. But there's more to see. But it's about us being salt. It's about us being who God has called us to be. Father, I pray for everybody who's watching online right now and I ask God that you would bring transformation to their heart and to their life. God, I'm asking that you would draw them close to you. Lord, allow them to feel your love today. Lord, allow them to feel your peace and your strength today. God, for those who are sick and suffering, we ask that in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, you would touch them and bring healing to them. In Jesus' name.